Welcome to Track Nerds. With me today is Hallie Sigwing of Hallie Sigwing Photography. And I will warn you now that I'm not exactly sure how to do an explicit tag on these episodes. So this is your warning that I I have no control over what may or may not come out of Hallie's mouth. So and I don't have a beep button in place. So we will do we will do our best. And Hallie, how are you doing today? Well, I am doing really well, and I'm actually really honored to be your first explicit podcast <laughs> episode, honestly. I mean, but you, I mean, we knew it wouldn't be any other way, I guess. Yes, yes. I, I, you, and you just kind of said the the earlier in the morning we went with this, it's about nine, a little after 9 a.m. You said the earlier, the less you would swear. So we're at 9 a.m. So hopefully we'll keep it PG 13. Mm-hmm. There's a sweet spot. If it's too early, it's going to be even worse than it would be. All right, at four AM you'd probably be a mess. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um so I wanted to I wanted to talk uh so the the three themes of the podcast tend to be travel, exercise, track and field, whatever there, and then movies and TV. So but with, with you I did want to start and make our main focus here the the travel specifically as it relates to your photography work. So you are prof- you are mm-hmm. a professional wedding photographer, self-employed, super excited to see see the, the work that you put out there and, and having known you since you started this as, as a high schooler even. So kind of talk about just your life as a wedding photographer and then specifically how that relates to traveling around the country for the weddings that you do. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. I really, it's, <laughs> God, where did you even start? You know, do you want me to talk about like how I started or just get right into that? No, yeah, let's let's do the whole let's do the whole the whole thing. Whole thing. Just the whole shebang. Yeah. So I mean you kind of knew because you were around when it all began, but basically I was like fifteen and I found this old film camera that my mom used to use for bird photography. Like the camera bag literally still had like a guide to Northern American <laughs> Mary breeds or something like that and uh, I just started taking pictures of my friends with it and um, started taking pictures of you know classmates and at the time I I guess I was like uh, freshly a junior in high school when I started actually doing it for money and the idea for me was that this would be like a really easy way for me to save money for college it was never supposed to be like an actual career path for me I thought I was going to be a biology major, hmm. <laughs> which is very different from what I ended up doing. But then eventually, yes, uh, I had like a family friend ask me to do their wedding photos. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that is a terrible idea. And then they were like, we'll give you $1,500. And I was like, all right, I'm in. uh, (laughs) Took that $1,500. Yeah, Uh, that was the number, I guess. Uh, Took that $1,500, got a small business loan, bought my first kind of professional camera, professional lenses, shot that wedding, and then ended up shooting like 10 more weddings my, my senior year of high school, which is crazy town I almost said the F word I don't know (laughs) I bleeped myself out um and then yeah and then I went to KU and honestly it was one of those weird things where I was really honestly I was really disappointed in myself at first because I got to KU and I became so I mean there's just no other word for it but just so obsessed with this like weird online community slash like alternate universe that I had stumbled into with wedding photography like it, it really is in a way like a like a cult almost like it's it's the weirdest career that you could imagine it because you're literally being paid to show up at like a stranger's party and just pay attention to it hmm. um if you're doing it right that's really all that it takes for you to do it really well and so yeah I was in college and I was pretty down on myself because I wasn't doing very well in school but at the same time I was kicking ass doing this other thing. And I think I felt a lot of pressure because I would have been like the first person in my family to graduate. And also like, I mean, I'm very capable of finishing my education. So it was one of those weird things where I was like, how long am I going to keep doing this when I know that it's just holding me back from doing this thing that I'm clearly being kind of called to do, you know? So eventually I think I had like 25 weddings or something my, my junior year of college. And I was like, fuck it. I'm done with this because I 
am making more money shooting these weddings at the age of 20 than I will ever make with an English degree, which is what I had changed my major to. Uh, yeah, so I finished school. And then at that point, I was kind of getting to travel a little bit for work. But at the time, it wasn't really because I was marketing myself in that way. It was more of this thing where I had like acquaintances and friends of friends that lived kind of all around the country. And they were being recommended to me by former clients. So like in the first couple of years, I guess the furthest I really went was like Colorado, Arkansas, um, North Dakota. That was super random. Chicago. And then, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I decided to move to New York with the person I was dating at the time. And when we moved out there, New York is this massive hub of creatives and it makes you feel really powerful because you realize that there's this like really deep pool of opportunity that you have access to now. But at the same time, it makes you very aware that there are like thousands and thousands of people that can do the same thing that you're doing just as well or better. And they're also competing for these same jobs. So when I got to New York, it was really just about kind of diving into the hustle, you know? And I think that my time in New York is actually what has allowed me to travel so extensively out of any experience that I've had. Because when I was in New York, I was meeting people that were from all around the world and all around the country. So a lot of the weddings that I shoot now that do require some level of travel are people that are somehow connected to someone that I met when I was living in Brooklyn. And I've marketed myself in certain areas of the country that I've wanted to shoot. But yeah. That's how it all. That's how it all began. Yeah, it's kind of to the point where, with even following you on social media and everything, I honestly lost track of where you even lived because yeah. between New York and Lawrence, uh, Kansas, I wasn't. I, I honestly wasn't sure which one you were living in and which one you were just traveling yeah. to for weddings. It got really hard when I was living in New York, right? Because I love New York. Like New York, living in New York was incredible, and it filled me up in a lot of ways that I felt like I was searching for, but. What happened was while I was there, I was doing like, I was doing well before I moved to New York, but I still had a service industry job. That's another thing. I was bartending. And the reason I was still bartending was because I was too afraid that if I quit my bartending job or serving tables or whatever I was doing, that something would happen and I wouldn't book enough weddings. And then I'd be like shit out of luck because I wouldn't have another backup plan. Right. Which actually, it was like instantaneous. Like the second that I quit bartending, everything just like blew up. Hmm. I mean, seriously, within a month of me quitting my side hustle to just put all of my energy into photography, I hit my booking goal for at the time it was 2017, surpassed my booking goal and then got to the point where I had to actually like turn people away because I couldn't book any more weddings for last year. So yeah, I mean, when I was in New York, what happened was that I started booking so much in Kansas City that at first I was like, okay, I'll only take 10 weddings this year in Kansas City because I don't want to be flying back every other week. And I mean, my business, you know, people people pay for me to travel. Like, that's a question people ask all the time. And it's funny because sometimes people ask in like a really condescending way. <laughs> They're like, they're like, people actually pay you to come and take photos where <laughs> they are. I'm like, yeah, bitch, I'm fucking good. Uh, but, but no, but seriously, I don't know why people pay me. They could find someone where they are. It's, it's really <laughs> kind of stupid. But I mean, but also I'm my own, I'm my own worst critic. You know, I think that what I do is different from a lot of photographers, not so much in the product that they receive afterwards, but more in the approach. And oh god, I'm so all over the place right now, Rich. I'm so sorry. This is great. This is this is gold. This is this is gold. This is you're awesome. So I started booking just shit weddings in Kansas City, and it's like ten. And I and the, the other thing that I feel like I don't do well representing on my social media is that I have like I mean my social wealth in Lawrence, Kansas, is like out of this world. Like I can't imagine having more community than what I have here. And it's the kind of like friendships and network and like seriously, like it just an all-inclusive community that like 
I don't think it exists in very many places. I think that Lawrence is just like the size of the city. And then the fact that the economy is fueled by service kind of adds into this. But on top of that, I also think that it's really hard when you move to a new place to break into like a social circle like I have. So I, because I'd been bartending for so long, I just have like all these friends here that either grew up here or came here from somewhere else from all over the country, honestly. And so I was coming back and I was spending my, my weekends with my homies in Lawrence and shooting these Kansas city weddings and then flying back to New York where I also have a really beautiful circle of friends, but it definitely will never feel the same way that it does here. And I kind of had that beautiful epiphany. I actually talked to you about this when it happened because I think that I had been really ashamed of Kansas Mm. for a long time. And I had this idea and I think part of it was, was my ex-boyfriend's influence too, because he was a little bit of a transient and So I kind of also, not because of him, but I think something we shared was that we never felt very settled anywhere. And so I thought that I was chasing something that I was going to find in another city. But the reality of it is that I realized it's like, oh, I have this like incredible social network here in Kansas and all these people who have supported me for like five years doing this and like want to see me do really well. And for whatever reason, I'm like, peace out, guys. I'm heading out and I'm going to go elsewhere where no one knows me and no one gives a shit about me and no one's trying to see me succeed, right? Right. It made more sense for me to move back to Kansas and use Kansas as my home base and then travel from Kansas to New York for the New York weddings. Right. Part of it was cost of living. Like, that's an ugly thing that everyone, well, it's the first thing everyone wants to know is like, was it so expensive (laughs) to live in New York? Yeah, it's fucking expensive. Right now in Lawrence, I live in a three-bedroom house on a massive lot with like a fenced yard and a garage. And I pay the same amount that I paid to live in like a 10 by 10 square. (laughs) Wow. Like my bed. Right. And and Lawrence is even on the expensive end for Kansas. So that's what's crazy is... uh... Yeah, there's the difference there, and 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 the quality of life. Just because you're in a, you're paying for be, location, location, location. You're paying to be near New York City, and the quality of life might be considerably lower for what the the dollar is. Well, and also it's like, okay, cool. I can live in Lawrence and be around my people, and my dog has a yard, and <laughs> right. I can walk to the farmers market, and I can also drive half an hour to the airport and go like wherever the fuck I want pretty much all the time because I can afford to. And because it's not like living in New York or even like any other city where there's life is so much slower here that I can enjoy New York more often from afar by traveling there than I ever got to do when I was like living there. That's the other thing too, is that you, I don't think I could have ever gone full time as a wedding photographer in New York I shouldn't say that it would have taken me a really long time to get there because cost of living is so high that like in order to kind of fill that weird gap where I wouldn't have had weddings because people book like a year in advance, I like would have had to be bartending. And of course, following you on social media and just uh, you know, knowing you uh, personally too is what I, I just dig how you've em- you've embraced who you are with your business. So I think initially you had started trying to be hyper professional and I'm going to do this for real. I can't be. I don't know, untoward or whatever. And you're like, no, screw it. This is who I am. This is who they're hiring. And you said it, it's led to these great relationships with the couples that you're oh, photo- yeah. photography or photographing because you oh, kind of yeah. have that same vibe. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll get right into it. Like, honestly, the wedding industry is a bunch of Christian hipsters, right? Um, it's this like massive culture of, I love Jesus and coffee and taking photos of people in love. And like, that's awesome if that's what you like. but I was branding myself like that, but I could give a shit about like the, the corny Pinterest mason jars and burlap sacks part of the wedding industry, right? So I was trying to take the lead of all of these photographers in the Midwest that brand themselves in this way that's like very sweet and very romantic and very like Christian-based businesses. And so because of that, I was getting a lot of 
inquiries from couples who were religious, who were looking for someone who was like really gentle and dare I say docile, someone who was just kind of trying to come into their wedding day and just be this like sweet little pat on the back. And so, (laughs) I mean, it goes without saying that if you brand yourself that way and then find a way to actually, first of all, people weren't booking me as consistently when that's what I was doing. Right. Cause I thought that that's what it meant to be a wedding photographer. Right. So I thought that I had to be, um, and don't get me wrong. I wasn't like pretending to, to like any of these things that I don't like, but I was just super watering down my personality because I was afraid because I, I, it's big. Like my personality is huge and it's abrasive and aggressive and makes some people uncomfortable and it pumps some people up. And so I was branding myself in this way that was kind of watering my, who I am down and then booking these couples. And don't get me wrong. It's not that I was like not delivering, but at the same time, I was filtering myself so much working with these people who were expecting this version of me that I wasn't able to really like let loose and just like do my best work. Cause it was like in the back of my head all day, like, don't say the F word in front of her grandma, you know, (laughs) which I still try not to say the F word in front of your grandma. But now it's like people who hire me are like, grandma, she might say the F word, you know? So, (laughs) so no, but, but what I realized was it was, it was like dumb math. Like literally what happened was I was thinking about it one day because I was getting inquiries that weren't booking and I felt like they were looking for someone in Kansas city that was like a little softer, a little more someone who like went to church maybe. (laughs) Um, and just someone that they felt like they could be friends with. And then I realized like, Oh, if I live here in the Midwest and I'm this like vulgar, sarcastic, like hilarious, like (laughs) still very talented photographer, there are probably people that exist in this massive city that I live in who are looking for someone like that because people like me also get married. It's like, duh, you know? Right. So then when I was like, oh, the reason why those people aren't finding me is because they have no idea who I am or that I even exist. I feel like I was really lucky to be kind of on the front wave because here's the other thing is that I wasn't the only one struggling in that way. I think four years ago, the whole wedding industry was like just this very weird. I don't know. I hate saying, I hope that you don't have a bunch of people listening to this who are like, why does she keep calling us Christian hipsters? But it's such a thing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I just changed my website. Honestly, I made my entire brand about what my entire life is about, which is my dog. So I changed my pricing page to this whole thing that was about how when I have a wedding, my dog goes to his nanny. I did hire a nanny for my dog. It wasn't a lie. Um, and basically, like the whole thing was just about you know, I do this because these are the things that I enjoy and this is who I am. And my entire website is just like dripping with like sarcasm. Like it's probably super offensive to some people who visit it. And then 99% of the couples who book me are like, holy shit, we spent two hours looking through all these wedding photographers who just want to talk about how much they love love and how much they are so excited to see people on the greatest day of their lives. And then we found you who said that you just want to like take a shot with us and dance with our grandma at the reception. And that's what we want, you know? (laughs) Perfect. So yeah. So now I'm working with people who are a lot more like me and I'm able to like not only enjoy my career like tenfold, but also I feel like the people who are hiring me are not just getting like really good photos, but they're also getting like a friend to be there to support them on their wedding day and someone who adds hopefully like a really positive energy. Yeah. No. And that's, that's, and I think that's why you're killing it. That's, and it's, it's better to be more because it basically makes you more specific. So instead of being just a cookie cutter wedding photography, which is what you thought you needed to be, you became yourself. And now people who want that, you're the place to go. You're, you're the number one source of Hallie Sigling photography in the country. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, I think that the sad thing is that I don't even know all these like photographers I'm shitting on right now, you know, and I don't mean to shit on anyone. I think that what we do is hard no matter how you brand yourself, but probably a bunch of them are like, how is she doing this? Because I'll tell you one thing there, you could fit in any direction in Kansas City and find a hundred photographers who brand themselves exactly like what I just described. And I think there's probably three or four of us who brand themselves like I do and all four of us. So there's, there's me, my friend, Emma, my friend, Stephanie, and then another girl named Michaela. And I say that we are all in the same boat and that we've figured it out that we got to brand ourselves in this like pretty different way in order to book kind of like the more casual and not so maybe like uppity type of weddings that we're wanting. And all four of us are booking like 40 some weddings a year. And all four of us have very different types of clients, you know? So it's just like an endless, I mean, if you think about how many people get married every year in whatever city you're living in, like people talk about certain markets being oversaturated and stuff. And it's like, there's a slice of the pie for all of us. You don't have to, you know, worry about competing with other people because if you brand yourself authentically, like people really are mostly hiring you for you. And yeah, to to your point, you're probably not booking more than 52 weddings a year, right? Tops because of they're only basically on the weekends. Plus, you have to have time to edit. So 52 is going to be your absolute max. And it's probably lower than that, right? It's lower than that. And and so don't get me wrong, like last year, 2018, I booked the most that I've ever booked more than I think I probably booked more than most people here did. And part of that was branding myself really well and getting a lot of cool weddings that I couldn't pass up. And another part of it was complete stupidity because I had no life last year. Like I had 43 weddings and you don't really book you like you're not going to shoot a bunch of weddings in February right like and you wouldn't even want to so what happens is that months like June July August October especially honestly June through September like let's just say June through October typically I have more than one wedding on a weekend Mm. and last year I did that like last year I did 43 and I shot so all my weddings last summer were in New York City from like I started in Connecticut in May and then basically from like May through August, I was in New York, Connecticut, Seattle, and Wisconsin. And on the weekends that I was in New York, I had two weddings every weekend. So like in June and July, I shot like 16 weddings or something like that. Like it was stupid. There were weekends where I did three, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And don't get me wrong, like the money was like, dope and the weddings were awesome but really like that's pretty irresponsible because you know first of all if I have to shoot a 12-hour wedding on a Sunday after I just shot a 10-hour wedding the day before I'm not gonna feel good you know I was like chugging I was like chugging Pedialyte in the back of an Uber on the way to a wedding and being like (laughs) oh my god this is worse than the worst hangover I've ever had and I wasn't even hungover so this year I really did slow down and I did try to be a little more intentional. I, I raised my pricing a lot. So like I make the same amount of money, but I took like 10 less weddings this oh, year okay. and I did have to start saying no, which is not something that I'm good at when someone's like, Oh, right. When Let you're technically you free, right. You're, and you're technically yeah. free. You just need to give yourself more free time. You're like, well, I am free that weekend, yeah. but I really shouldn't book a wedding. Yeah. It's not even just free time. It's also like, you know, I, I was traveling for most of those weddings too. So I felt kind of like homeless, like right. honestly, like, and I, and I dealt with that in New York too. That was like a big reason why I fell into like pretty like serious, like depression when I was in New York is because what I do, like when you're gone, not just for work, right? Like most people travel during their work week, but they're traveling for work. So you're traveling on days when you're usually not at your house because you're usually like, Monday through Friday, like at the office or whatever. But I was traveling on the weekends, which is when like all my friends and usually me like are spending time together and like being human beings. And so it felt like I was just in this like constant limbo, like living out of a suitcase and then never had any days where I was like, okay, cool. Like today I'm just going to like go to the lake and like drink some beer and 
play frisbee with my dog, you know. So this week, this year, I have a lot of those kind of weekends planned and a lot of like leisurely travel. And that's what I think makes my job worth it at the end of the day is like, yeah, I can make as much money as I want. But also, if I choose to shoot a little bit less, like I could decide that I want 20 weeks of vacation. Right. And I could literally do that. Right. That's awesome. And that's the point of it all at the end of the day, right? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you know, someone said to me, about you aren't, you don't have any healthcare, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I do, I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm only 24, but the point being, it's like, yeah, the benefits of my job is that I could literally work only like 30 days out of the year away from my home and make three times as much money as I would in any kind of like desk job. Normal job. Yeah. 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 yeah and Honestly, I also think like it's a lot more work than people think it is running a business, taking like the photography completely out of it. Like just the core elements of like marketing yourself Mm. are so time consuming. So it's not like I'm only working on Saturdays. I'm actually working pretty much every day. Well, with the editing, especially, I mean. Yeah, editing. I never really take a day off from like doing like marketing stuff. Like I'm always going to have to stay active on social media and I'm always going to be, I have like a one hour email policy that I stick to pretty well. So like I try to return all of my clients emails within an hour, no matter what I'm doing. Okay. Like let's say Monday, right? Memorial day. I was out at a lake drinking copious amounts of tequila, like completely slosh turning my phone off because I was with my friends and I got like a pretty important text message from a couple that I'm shooting this Saturday and they know that it's Memorial Day and that I'm with my friends. So I literally texted them back and I was like, guys, here in a little bit, it's going to be like pretty irresponsible of me to feel competent in professionally replying to anyone's emails. <laughs> I'm going to be super hungover tomorrow, but I'm going to email you back at 8 a.m. And they texted me back and they were like, oh, my God, have so much fun. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So, I mean, it, it's all about like communicating authentically and so instead of like procrastinating on that shit and being like right or trying to pretend you're not human yeah i need a day off like that's like so many wedding photographers like bitch and moan all the time about how our our job is thankless because that no one knows how hard we work and i'm like bitch your job is the easiest luckiest shit that you'll ever do in your entire life no one gets as lucky as i've gotten and so if that means i have to work seven days a week but some of those days i'm doing like the absolute minimum texting my clients to tell them that I'm wasted and I'll email them back the next day or like <laughs> sending off a contract from a boat, which I did by the way. Um, then that's what it means, you know? And I, I think when people complain, when people in my career field complain, it makes me like so mad at them. I'm like, Jenny, you could be an accountant right now. You know, right. you could be, you could be making like 40 K doing some shit for the man and not thriving and having no free time to do anything. And don't, don't complain, you know, don't complain. The the last thing I did want to mention on just not necessarily travel, but just, I think part of traveling is just the locations we live in. We forget about just where we live is in a way part of traveling because you're always somewhere. Right. So, and I think what's underrated and you kind of hit on it there is how one, and that's how I feel is Kansas in general is kind of a nice place to use as a home base. I mean, we're literally in the center of the United States. You know, we have uh, airports that can, you know, at, at a Wichita, you might have connections and everything. But it, it is a nice home base. The cost of living is low. The The weather gets you a little bit of everything, of course. But it's uh, there could definitely, there's definitely worse places to live. And then specifically, Lawrence, Kansas, where you are, man, the more I go to Lawrence, the more I love Lawrence. And I think... It's it's super underrated out I mean outside of the state of Kansas for just for everything you talked about it being able to provide and it's just kind of this uh not just liberal haven in Kansas but also the kind of this artistic vibe and the community you talked about so yeah. Lawrence Kansas great probably a better place to maybe live than even to visit but yeah well yeah you know especially in today's political climate like I think that we've discussed before that some of the people that are around right now feel like their views are bad for people that I know and love. So I got to go. 
And the reality of the situation is that you do more effective change by staying where you are and trying to empathize with the people who have different views and trying to change their mind by being someone that they love who thinks differently. Like I can tell you right now, my parents would never probably admit this, but just by having me as their daughter, they have shifted so much in so many of their views about things that are really important to me. And it's not because I have like shoved it down their throat and then moved to Brooklyn. And I was like, well, Kansas sucks. So I got to go somewhere where people think just like me, because the reality is that if you come back to Kansas and you're someone who is super passionate about, for me, it's like a lot of social justice issues, then the people who really love you and think that you're pretty smart and know something about what you're talking about are probably going to be more prone to adopt those ideas, right? Than if we just abandon them and leave them in their like coven of fucking Trump supporters. Like, I don't know. Right. I, I, I think, I, yeah, I know. I think you're exactly right. And I, th- and I think, you know, I, I consider myself, uh, not to make this a political podcast, but I do consider myself oh, for, no, for, sorry. For, for, no, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly liberal, but I think my liberalism is, is imbued with a love for people on the right politically because that's who yeah. we live with and that's mm-hmm. who we're around. It's yeah. like, I, I, yeah. you know, I, like, we love and respect a lot of these people who have differing political opinions, but I think that makes us, oh, better liberals. I don't know how you would say that, but because I think no, like a I lot of times the, the, the quote unquote coastal elites do have issues and they, they just kind of, yeah. they, they don't see where the people on the other side are coming from. And I think we do because yeah. we, we know them. Yeah. Well, and like, that's the thing is like, you know, my, my friends in New York who grew up in fucking Jersey and think that everyone who lives in Kansas lives on a farm and voted for Trump and wants to kill the Jews or something, you know, it's like those kids have never seen a trailer park, right? Like they've never seen the flyover states. They don't know how hard people work in the Midwest and the idea of intersectionality is really hard in a place like Cheney, for example, because we don't have a lot of people of color and we don't have a lot of like marginalized groups living in our community. And so there isn't anyone there to speak for the ones who do live there. And I think the further and further we decide that we're going to like push ourselves from those communities, the more harm that we're doing because we're just separating. Yes. Yeah. You're isolating those people who are already adrift as opposed to trying to meet them where they are. For uh, just for time's sake, let's uh, let's quickly move on to the last couple uh, uh, phases here. Oh, uh, yeah. No, you're good. No, we're just this is this is great. This is great. Your your story your story was amazing, and I and I I was obviously kind of peripherally familiar with it, but it was awesome to uh, to hear you spell it out there and, and just giving you that opportunity. Okay, so any kind of of course with your job, I'm sure you're 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 super active already and probably on your feet for hours on end. Is do you have any time for any kind of extra exercise? Just kind of playing with Ernest or. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, I was going to say when are you going to ask me about my my track career? <laughs> my my athletic. No, so I I mean yeah, it's really really important for me that I do find some level of balance because what I do actually does require a lot of physical stamina. And not just that, I mean it requires a lot of discipline, you know, just to not have someone forcing you to wake up every day and go to work and have a structured schedule. And I think that if there have been times in my life when like I haven't paid attention and then, yeah, it's like, Oh, I haven't gone to the gym in like three weeks because I'm just like hovering over my laptop and then like going to see people at night, you know? So I, I go to yoga. I do yoga most mornings at like Ohm tree here in Lawrence, most mornings during the week. And then I've been trying really hard this year to do a lot of hiking so actually, I um, marketed myself pretty heavily in Colorado this year. So most of my weddings, basically from July through October, are like mountaintop elopement nice. situations yeah. where I'm going to be hiking quite a bit. And so I've been trying really hard. I get out to Colorado almost almost once a month now, but I've been trying, even in Lawrence, to just like explore. We have so much like outdoorsy shit to do here that no one takes advantage of, like there's some really cool hiking trails and like really, really cool lakes and stuff. So hiking, definitely yoga. Definitely. I'm not probably going to the gym as often as I should, but it's because in the summertime I have a really hard time when it's nice out. Can't go. 
can't go to the gym. Couldn't tell you why. It makes me feel guilty being in there when it's so nice out because I'm like, I should be running or like right. hiking or something. Yeah, I've never understood people that will go and get on a treadmill when it's oh, 70 God. degrees and sunny outside. No. I'm like, what? go walk in earth. Like, I don't yeah. understand. But Ernest, I mean, Ernest does get lots of good walks. I live really close to this really cool park. It's not really cool. Why did I say that? It's just a field of grass with a swing set. Um, but <laughs> it's really sweet because so I kind of live in this neighborhood that has like a lot of young families. And if you've met my dog, he is not playful. Like he's very sweet. But he's just kind of like a loaf of bread. Like he just lays there. <laughs> he doesn't really move. So when we go to this park, I let him off leash and there's always like just a shitload of kids running around. And so I try to like let him, you know, socialize and like the only place he'll play fetch. But yeah, we, we, we get outside. So then, uh, and then the final phase that we can spend a little bit more time on is just kind of TVs, mm-hmm. TVs and uh, movies here. So oh, anything good. recent you've seen or any shows you keep up with? All right. Well, or are you kind of too busy? No, I'm not too busy. <laughs> I think that this is fun because you know that I I have pretty like high flutin taste in quite a bit of things, but television and movies are not one of them. <laughs> so right now, I'm pretty pumped on the season of The Bachelor. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> Hannah B has a great group of guys. Uh, <laughs> you knew this was coming. I, I guess uh, I didn't. No, oh. Actually, I have I have been trying to uh, watch some things that I have had on like a list for quite a while. So, did you watch the act? Do you know what the act is? I'm, no, I'm not familiar with the act. Okay, so the act was this. I think like seven part series on Hulu that they wrote about. This girl named, oh shit, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, I think. And it's this girl whose mother, actually in Missouri, in Springfield. Basically, her mom, from the day she was, like, born, made this girl act like she had cancer. Like, basically told this girl her entire life that she had all of these illnesses. So this girl, from the day she was born, it's called um, uh, Something by Proxy. Anyway, it's this weird mental illness that her mother had that basically she wanted her child to be viewed as like terminally ill. So this girl lived the entire first like 20 years of her life in a wheelchair. She never ate solid food. Her mom had one of those fucking things where they were like she ate all of her food liquid through a port in her stomach. And her mom would like it also was this really scary thing about like the healthcare system where her mom would like take her to a new doctor all the time and tell the doctor that she had all these illnesses. And the doctor wouldn't even like follow up to make sure that it was true. They literally would just like medicate this girl as if she had like leukemia. And it's a true story. And then this girl killed her mom. Like, I think that's where I might've heard about it. I think I heard once she killed her mom, I think it was in the news and I kind of heard a little bit about it then. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, and the, the acting in this show is, unreal it's next level like the girl who plays gypsy rose just does like an incredible job because i can't even imagine like how hard it would be to play a character who's terminally ill anyway but then on top of that i mean if you if you actually like watch the documentary and the court case about this situation it's gypsy rose so gypsy rose has this like insane amount of voice and these very interesting mannerisms and this girl nails it, like absolutely nails it. And she has a boyfriend in the movie and in real life who actually helped her kill her mom. And he plays a kid that has like autism and has like some illness, you know, that makes his movements really stiff. And it's crazy because this guy's like super hot in real life, but he's like playing this like kid who's got all these ailments and has like multiple personality disorder. It was amazing. I binge it so hard, like crazy. Uh, but that's on that's on Hulu. You probably have to, I don't have the paid Hulu right now. It's on Hulu. It's worth it. Man, you know, I didn't ever get into Game of Thrones. And I feel like you probably did. Of course. Did you watch Game of Thrones? I did. So I um, I did not. Oh, but you know what show I think you would really like that I bet, I bet you have watched? Um, have you heard of Easy on Netflix? Uh, I think I saw the ads for it. No, I haven't watched it. I, of course, middle of track season here. I have not been able to watch a lot. 
the this like so it's by uh, Joe Swanberg and it's it's got three seasons and essentially the premise of this show is that it's just highlighting all of the different types of relationships which like you and I being like Dan Savage homies it's like Dan Savage actually I think is either quoted or he had something to do with like the creation of this oh, okay show because basically what it starts out like the first episode is this couple who are having like some marital issues and they go to like a sex therapist, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then each progressive episode uses a character that was only a cameo in the episode before. Oh, fun. So the next episode is that couple's nanny. And she's like freshly out of the closet, lesbian um, exploring the avenue of her relationship and then, like, the next one was, like, the busboy from the restaurant that they ate in, you know? So it just, like, keeps going like that. And it's really beautifully shot, which is pretty important to me. But also, I think it's really cool because they, you know, discuss the, the intricacies of, like, sex within, like, a, a marriage, polygamy, all different types of relationships, transgender relationships. It's really interesting and awesome. What that makes me think of, and I, I will, I'll get highfalutin now on you. Yeah, highfalutin. I'm guess any chance you've heard of Christoph Kieslowski? No, but I, I think that that's. I bet you've heard of him. <laughs> so uh, he uh, he did something called the uh, Three Colors trilogy. There's uh, red, white, and blue. We're all separate movies. There's a movie called What Red, a movie called Blue, a movie called White, and it's, okay. it's all Polish. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. th- those you may have heard of. But he also did a, I don't know if it was like a TV miniseries or how it was actually released, but it's called The Decalogue. And okay. it's, it's I think it's, well, it's right, Decalogue. So t- it's 10 parts. And it, but it, it's kind of what you're saying there, where it's all set in this one Polish apartment complex, and each episode, which is you know basically like an hour long, is about just kind of some kind of social family relationship drama taking place mm-hmm. in that apartment complex, and all the characters from each story end up being just in the background of the other parts. Yes. And so it's kind of like that. It. What else? I feel like there's something else that you and I have both loved that had that kind of I don't know but 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 I love that right it's yes. just this, well you know what it actually made me think of and it makes me think of this a lot because this was one of the first authors that I was of course being like a pretentious teenager in Cheney I really really like Salinger and yes. Salinger's entire body of work is really cool because all of his characters that are like the protagonists of his novels make little appearances and all of his novels. Oh, see, and I've only read I've only read Catcher in the Rye, so I didn't realize that. So like, so like you know the scene in the Catcher in the Rye when he's having, co- oh wait, no, shit, he is I think talking about Seymour Glass, who maybe went to school with him. I can't remember how Seymour falls into Catcher in the Rye, but then Seymour is the protagonist in. Franny and well not Franny and Zoe god damn it you gotta cut this out because if my ex-boyfriend listens to the podcast he's gonna be like wow I'm glad I dumped that bitch no <laughs> no you gotta cut this out okay we can cut <laughs> no, it we- seriously though I don't know but the point being starting over so this is where I want you to come in okay we're good we're good I can do it all of his characters that are protagonists in his main novels, which he's only released like a four or something. And there are more that are going to be released as time goes on. Like what's shitty is that I love his work and I will probably not be alive the next time that his novel is released. Like he set his will up in a way so that every like 50 years or something. Is that how it was? I thought he didn't want anything actually published and they were publishing some of his stuff against his will or what was going on with that? Or was that somebody else? I don't think that's how, no, I thought that it was like one of those things. Well, I know that some of his stuff is in like the, the library at Harvard and you can go and read it and that's the only place you can read it. But the way that I understood it was that there was work that I think was being released earlier than it was supposed to be released. I could be wrong. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But um, then like his book of short stories is kind of cool because if you've read all of his other work, each of the short stories are about a family member of one of the protagonists from his novels. And that's what I think I'd heard. Yeah. It's like this really cool little community of people that he's created in his imagination who all have like these separate stories 
that somehow intertwine. Huh. And that is a lot like easy on Netflix. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And my, okay. So my last question for you, but I've, I've asked it of most of the other guests here. If you've been listening, uh, if you had the time traveling, transporting boombox from my novel, where would you go anywhere in time or place if you could instantly transport there? New York in the 70s. Nice, nice. Okay. Particular reasons why? Um, I think that... Drugs? <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. I think, honestly, I've done all the drugs that I would like to do, but it would be cool. Honestly, I feel like it's safer to do drugs now than it probably was in the 70s. That's probably true. But um, no, I think that that was like a really cool era of music and a really cool era of fashion. Actually, what makes me want it the most you should link this in the podcast description because i think this is the coolest shit that i've ever seen i last time i was in new york last time i lived in new york i should say i went to this installation at actually at i think it's called the archives at central park they have a gallery in the park and they had this showing of basically there was a strike from the New York Times, like journalists. And so a bunch of people got laid off and a bunch of people weren't working at the time. And so basically there were a bunch of these like photographers who were without work and the city employed a group of these New York Times photographers and said, go around this week and document all of the parks in the city. And so they did. And the photos that came back from this week of just literally these photographers going into the parks and just photographing, it was like the middle of July, I think it was 72, are like the most magical images that you could mm. ever imagine. And don't get me wrong, like New York was super, there are a lot of things like New York was super dangerous back then. And right. also for women, like now is probably the safest that we've actually, well, cutting out the last two weeks if you live in Alabama. But for the most part, now would be a lot better as a woman in a lot of ways. But I think that that period of time was so cool. And the coolest thing about these photos, too, is that they just found them. Like, they never got published anywhere. And I don't think if they had gotten published when they were taken, you know, at the time, people didn't know that what was happening was as magical as it is now, right? And I think something that I love about them so much is that there's no phones in any of them, right? It's like, oh, right. Everyone's a little more engaged. Yeah. There's no such a thing as going and doing street photography now because every single person standing on the street has their face in their phone. Like on Monday, I went out and a bunch of my friends and I went out to the lake and we made it like a rule at the beginning of the day. Like everyone turned their phone off and left it on the kitchen table in the cabin. Right. And I took photos with a film camera. I didn't want to bring my phone with me or my camera because we were on a lake. And I think that the photos that I made of my friends on this day without technology, without the pressures of wanting everyone that follows me to know how much fun I'm having, without wanting everyone to know how beautiful my friends are, in my stories or whatever felt so liberating because the photos that I was making were photos of what I was actually like paying attention to and experiencing. So living in a time before technology like that would be ideal, but aesthetically, I think I would choose. I I can see you enjoying that vibe. And then the, I guess actual last question is what a, what historical figure or celebrity, whether living or dead, would you take with you to New York in the seventies? Shit. This one's going to make me think for a second. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, wait. No, it's so easy. You know who this is going to be for me. You know that the person I love more than almost anyone is is Kristen Bell. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think she and I I think she and I are going to be really good friends. That was really creepy. <laughs> but, <laughs> she but no, does, I've, she I've, doesn't know it yet, but <laughs> do to do. Um, but no, I, and I don't think she would fit in there. That's probably a bad one. I just want to take her anywhere with me. Gotcha, so if I got gotcha. to take a celebrity, it would be her. But back to that time, shit, I got to find someone who's going to like drop some acid with me. So let's think. Mm. Again, it could be anyone. You could, you could take someone from the 1500s and bring them to New York in the 70s with you. You know what? 
I think I would, I would go back in time just a little bit and I would fetch my man Prince. Okay. Because I think he'd be a really fun, this is for one specific night in my life that I would like to have is I would like him to be living and to be my friend. And I would like to go to like a nightclub in Manhattan and do a bunch of MDMA with Prince. That would be like <laughs> the best night of my life. <laughs> uh, well, shoot, he was probably in New York in the 70s. You wouldn't even have to take him, right? Couldn't you just probably track him down? Yeah, probably. I could just go to New York, find some Molly, find him, go out. Man, I don't know. There are so many. Like, I can't, I mean, I can't even choose but which one to bring. But that would be a good one. Pretty much any like cool seventies musician and some form of like MDMA and New York City would be like. Braden Bartlett had mentioned taking Jimi Hendrix to wherever he wanted to go. I don't know. I feel like Jimi Hendrix would probably try to sleep with me, and and that would be probably cool. Honestly, if I could go back in time, I would definitely fuck Jimi Hendrix. But this trip is more about friendship for me. Than <laughs> I would agree. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? I think that might be. Uh, a good a good place to uh to wrap up <laughs> and i i'm sorry i i warned you everybody uh we kept it as uh this was it was a soft r it was a soft r <laughs> no that's not bad no no oh it's definitely not pg-13 we're not pg-13 at this point pg-13 gets it once uh, in, in a movie oh, you can do oh, it once you're not PG thirteen. That's true. <laughs> okay. You're right. Um, All right. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up the podcast here. And again, we we can keep talking. I'm just gonna end the actual podcast here. So thank you, Hallie, for for your story and sharing your time with us here today. Um, I will post the links to her social media. You do have to follow her. Her work is amazing. So uh, check her out. Uh, hire her for your wedding. You may have to book her a couple years out though, because she is uh, in very high demand. Oh my God. So. Uh, Thank you, Hallie, and uh, we'll see everyone later. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so much.